please turn for me with me this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and work verse 20. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for God, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Well, friends, uh, we're looking this morning at uh, this particular verse, and ambassadors for Christ. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Well, those of you who've been with us for a while, know I'd like to give you at the start of a year, a motto text and uh, a text that we can carry with us uh, throughout the year, a text to keep in your minds, a text to maybe hang on your walls and to reflect on as the days go by, a text to prompt us, a text to remind us of something that is crucial, something that is vital, something that is for every uh, believer, something that is to be the focus of our lives, an aspect of our high calling as Christians that we cannot really neglect and we cannot put to one side. It's not something here that we can delegate to another person and say, let them do this particular task. But here is a text. We are ambassadors for Christ, for every uh, believer. Those of you who were here last year, well, you know, my text last year was from Joshua 24:15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But this year, I'm homing in on this particular verse. Oh, friends, remember it. Oh, friends, think about it today. Think about it tomorrow. Think about it at the beginning of every month. If that helps. We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, this is a text especially for ministers and pastors and preachers of the gospel and uh, but it's not exclusive for them Paul is speaking about it in that context but it's applicable for everyone who is a true Christian every believer is an ambassador for Christ every believer is a representative of Jesus Christ every believer is a messenger of Jesus Christ. Every believer is a spokesman for Christ in this world. So this is what we are thinking of. This is uh, the, the, the motto text. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Well, friends, you don't need me to tell you what an ambassador is, but I shall give you the, the dictionary uh, definition. An ambassador, an official who lives in a foreign country as the senior representative of their own uh, country. So that, that's what the dictionary says, and uh, that's along the lines that Paul is using it. A representative from one royal court to another royal court. One who is sent by a particular king to another king and he, in, a, in a foreign land. One who comes uh, to, with a message from his king to deliver to that foreign court and that foreign king. Perhaps the message is to solicit some kind of favor from that foreign king. You remember how Moses solicited favor from the king of Edom when they were on their way to the promised land and uh, they approached the land of Edom. Moses sent messengers or ambassadors uh, to the king of Edom 
and uh, said, let us go through your country. We're traveling to the promised land, the land that God has, uh, has, has given to us. Let us grant us permission to use the king's highway. It's a, the shorter way to that land. If we use anything, if we use the bread or the water, we'll pay for it. We won't take anything for free. But the king replied, the king of Adam said, no, you will not pass through. But uh, the messengers were sent uh, for that purpose. In Judges chapter 11, in verse 12, when the king of Ammon came out to fight against Israel, then Jephthah, who was leading at the time, sent messengers to the king uh, of, uh, of Ammon. What hast thou to do with me, that thou art come to fight in my land? So this is the role of an ambassador, to go with a message from one king to another king, from one country to another. So an ambassador wasn't just one who was living in a foreign land. Perhaps he did that for a while, but uh, he was one who had a message from his king, and that comes through very much in our text. And he had to deliver the message that was given to him word for word, verbatim. He couldn't interpret it, and he couldn't change it and make up his own mind about it. He had to speak it as it was given uh, to him. And this is what Paul has in mind, especially when he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Christ has sent us with a message, and uh, this is what he is communicating. Now, of course, Paul and his fellow workers, Silas, Timothy, who went with him as ambassadors, they were sent out by the church at uh, Antioch in Syria, and they went out uh, on that missionary journey Missionary Journey 1, Missionary Journey 2, Missionary Journey 3, into uh, foreign lands. And they went out as ambassadors with the gospel. And wherever they went, they told those people, this is the message uh, from Christ. This is the message from heaven. You must repent. You must believe in Christ. And where people did, churches were formed. And uh, they went from one place to another place as ambassadors of the Lord. A message was being made known. A message that they had to preach to all. They felt this message. They, it was given to them, and Paul felt it as if it was his own, and he felt the responsibility of having this message and of delivering the message. In, the, in a certain place, he, he refers the Lord's gospel as my gospel. He identifies as so much with the message. Here in verse uh, 18, uh, he says that this is God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And then verse 19, uh, God has committed unto us the word of re reconcil reconciliation. He's placed it in our hands. He's commissioned us to deliver these things. Verse 20, we pray you in Christ's stead. This is the message, be ye reconciled to God. This is the message that they were taking uh, to those to whom that they to, to those to whom they were sent. Now an ambassador and this goes of course without saying must be of course he must be in full alignment with his sending country. He, his loyalties are to his king and to his country. He not only represents his country, 
He's a citizen of that country. He's, he's an ardent lover, you could say, of uh, his country. He is one who is for the king and not against him. One who is patriotic, one who is, identifies himself with the, the intentions of the king. And uh, he goes out with this view. He is one of them who is sent out into uh, the foreign land. And that's also true for us. As the ambassadors of Christ, I have to be somebody who is in alignment with Christ before I can, in a way, speak with others. How can I tell other people to be reconciled to God if I myself am not? How can I tell others to be saved if I myself haven't accepted the message from Christ to be saved? How can I call on others to repent and to uh, fight no more with God, to give up their arms, no more engage in this battle with God if I still haven't yielded myself to the Lord Jesus Christ, if I still have refused to bend my knee to Christ, how can I say I am an ambassador for Christ? I can't. I have to first align myself uh, with Him. I, how can I urge others to turn to the Lord today unless, uh, while all the while, I am putting it off or procrastinating in coming to Him? So you see, this role as an ambassador, friends, is for the believer, those who have come to Christ, those who are on His side, those who identify uh, with Him uh, and will speak for Him. Am I a believer this morning? Well, this is a role for me. This is a commission from Christ for me. I am Christ's representative in this world. Now, you know that Christ physically, of course, uh, he's not with us uh, in this world. He's here by His Spirit, and, uh, uh, but physically, He's no longer, we could say, in the playing field, on the playing field of this world. He Himself is not uh, visible. We could say, to use a, a sporting terminology, He has been substituted. He's done what he, he's, he had to do. His work is now finished. He's ascended. He's gone up to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God. He is not within our visible sight. We, we see Him by faith and not by sight. And you as a believer have come into this world, have come onto the playing field of this world. And now you have a role uh, to do. Now it's your turn and my turn to do our part. Now, now, dear friends, even as all eyes were on Christ when He was on the earth, so now all eyes are upon you and me as the representatives and ambassadors of Jesus Christ. All eyes are upon us. You know, when the ambassador, when, if he, when he entered into that foreign court, you can imagine, isn't it, the scene. All those in that royal court will be observing everything about him. He'll be watching, uh, looking at his clothes, seeing what he was dressed in, They'll be checking the way that he walked. Every nook and cranny of his, his manners would be observed and scrutinized, as well as the message that he said. And everything that he did, well, it would be a representation of his country. If he acted wisely and spoke kindly, and he did things in the right way, well, that was a great... Uh, 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 something great for a uh, great representation of his country. But if he did it badly, 
And if he spoke harshly, well, perhaps they would have got the wrong uh, message. And it's the same uh, for us as uh, believers. We are being scrutinized in uh, this world. Perhaps that, that uh, foreign amb the ambassador in a foreign country, perhaps he was invited to a uh, formal dinner and the formal attire was required. But he couldn't just say, well, I, I want to go as I like. It's so hot, this country is so hot. I want to wear shorts and t-shirt to this uh, formal dinner. He cannot do that because he is not going in his own name. He is representing his king. So he must uh, uh, follow uh, the protocol uh, as it were. And friends, as amb ambassadors for Christ, who are living, we are living uh, in a foreign land. We are, this world is not our home. We have another world. Heaven is our home as Christians. This is what we are looking for. But we are living in a world that is anti-Christ. We are living in a world that doesn't believe the things that we believe, that doesn't love the Lord that we love, that doesn't serve Him, that, is going, that disregards His moral standards, that disregards His Ten Commandments, which we hold to and which we seek to follow in our lives. So we're living in this foreign land where God's name really is not loved and is, is hated and is treated as an enemy, but we are there still to represent Him. So everything that you and I are doing comes under scrutiny. It's almost like being in a war zone even, where uh, we're in enemy territory as believers, but the world is watching you. The unbeliever is watching you, watching how you are in your home, watching how you are in the office, watching how you are in the classroom. How do I react when, uh, when provoked? Do I join in the office uh, gossip? Do I fiddle those expenses just because everyone is doing it and because it's easy to do it? Do I use the Lord's name in vain even though I'm a believer, a Christian? The other well, not the other day, but a while ago, uh, there was a Christian lady I, I heard of, and uh, she often used to use the Lord's name. She used to say OMG and, and uh, the whole phrase. And, and uh, when it was pointed out to her gently, she shouldn't be doing that. She said, oh, I'm praying. I'm praying when I'm doing that. Oh, that's, that's, that, that's a, that was a very a poor excuse. But it was a, it's a bad testimony, friends, if we, as believers, the unbeliever will pick up on it. The unbeliever will notice it. We have to remember, I'm an ambassador for Christ in the home, outside, in the streets, wherever uh, we are. Oh, I don't think our brother here will, uh, will, will, uh, will mind if I mention, but our Sunday school uh, mini, uh, minibus driver, well, uh, when he's out in that minibus, uh, he tells me, uh, collecting the kids or driving back and forward in it for some reason or other. And uh, if he's cut up by another driver, well, he's provoked. Well, he says he's almost on the verge of responding in a similar way, but he holds back. He refrains from doing that. Why? Because he's in the church van and he's got Woolwich Evangelical Church on both windows and at the back and he doesn't want to bring the church into disrepute. He, it's, that stops him, that holds him back from reacting and hooting his horn uh, at the other driver. And that's how we should be as believers. 
you're in a situation, maybe you're provoked, you're prompted, you're, you're, uh, you're hurt by somebody else, or maybe something happens, you've got to remember, oh, I've got a badge on my, on my lapel, ambassador for Jesus Christ. I cannot act like this. It's inconsistent with being a Christian. This will harm my testimony. This will spoil what I'm trying to do. This soul I've been praying for and trying to win, this may turn him against the Savior and say, uh -huh, hypocrite. So I want to be careful as an ambassador of Christ that what I say and what I do is consistent in the home, in the office, wherever I am in the church. It's easy in church, isn't it? Easy, best clothes on, best character on, but in the home, different story, isn't it? That's what we want to be, friends. Remember that badge, ambassador for Christ. But remember, especially as an ambassador for Christ, you have a message. Christ has entrusted you with a message to give to others. God has placed you where you are, within that family, within that particular neighborhood, those neighbors uh, where your house is, among those particular colleagues, so that you, you can tell them the gospel, so that you can share with them the good news. There are people within your circle I cannot reach or no one else here can reach, only you. Those are people that who, are, who you must think of. You've, you, you let them, yes, see your life, but you also have to pray for opportunities, one-to-one -one opportunities to speak to them. Now, your life is going to speak a tremendous amount. But may I urge you, friends, also try to speak. I don't think we should fall into the trap, you know, of saying, well, I just let my life speak and I won't say anything to people. You know? Yeah, but, but Peter says that, doesn't he? Yeah, but he says that to, to the wives. He says that to wives who are dealing with difficult, unbelieving husbands. Let, let your conversation be without word. Win them without the word. Well, pray, do, do both. Uh, live an impeccable life and at the same time seek for opportunities to tell these others about the Lord. You can invite people to church to the gospel meeting here every Lord's Day evening. You can give them a, a calendar, as we've been doing, or a, a book, or you can send them these days an, a, a sermon, a gospel sermon online, and send it to their email. There are many different ways that you can be an ambassador. But remember, again, you are that ambassador for Christ in that office to reach those particular people. Oh, today with COVID, isn't it? Yeah. With COVID, uh, now the number of working days is, is less. More and more people are working from home. It's a little bit of a detrimental in the sense that you don't have that opportunity to be more with the unbeliever and to have those opportunities are cut by two or three days a week, whatever it may be. But uh, pray, friends, that uh, you may have the chance. This is the most important thing for them. This is the most important thing. It's a very important role you have as an ambassador for Christ because you are in, engaged in the most important work. You are speaking your word to help deliver people out of an eternal, uh, 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 an eternal hell. You are saving, you're speaking your word to bring them out of hell to Christ. 
to bring them out, out of a life of unbelief, to bring them to a life of in a, a true relationship with God. This is so crucial, the work that you're doing. It's more important than anything the government is doing. Far, far more important this work or any ambassador in this world going out into other countries, going to Washington or Moscow, wherever they, we send our ambassadors. They're doing a good work, but your work as an ambassador for Christ is more important, is more crucial, has, is more everlasting, has eternal effects. It's in, your, in our hands, friend. This is how I would seek to urge you. Feel for people. Feel for those who are uh, around you. You know, you cannot pray for everyone. Maybe you, you're in a, a big team in the office and you cannot pray, but home in on a few people. Select a few, a few of your neighbors. Have a few people who are on your prayer list and feel for them. Feel compassion as Christ felt for people. Every time Christ witnessed, he was he fell for that soul that he was speaking to, that woman by the well, the Nicodemus when he, he came to the Lord by night. He fell for these people and desired their salvation. You must be born again, he said to, the, to Nicodemus. And uh, so many uh, other occasions. When that man uh, came uh, uh, to, to the Lord and said, Lord, uh, tell my brother to divide inheritance between us. Well, the Lord said, who made me a judge over these things? These are earthly things, you know. Uh, rather think about your soul. And he went on to tell that parable about the rich fool, the one who thought only about this world, but didn't have any concern for his soul. You see, I mean, he's able to turn uh, uh, earthly communications and bring in the spiritual side of things. Learn from the Lord. Look at his, his way he dealt with souls, but he fell for people. Think, dear friends, pray uh, for them who are in this lost condition. Feel a burden in your heart, a responsibility for them. That will help you to be an ambassador for Christ. Are your children still young? You still have them at home? You're still able to teach them the word? Well, that's your responsibility, friends, as fathers and mothers to urge your children, to speak to them these things. You're an ambassador to them, for Christ, to them. Oh, but you say, Pastor, personal witness doesn't come naturally to me. Oh, probably there's only a few people who it does come naturally to. But uh, naturally, uh, maybe we want to engage in it, we desire to, but maybe naturally we are reticent, we feel somewhat shy, a little bit afraid to bring up the topic uh, hesitant uh, when we are with the unbeliever. Well, pray, friends. Pray for help. The Apostle Paul also felt sometimes a reluctance or a hesitation, and he, he, he asked the brethren, pray for me that I may speak boldly for the Lord. Say what you can when those opportunities come. You don't have to give them the whole whack <laughs> in one go. You can you have time with them, perhaps. You're, you see them often, little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept. You can uh, talk to them as, as it comes up in the conversation. You can invite them, as I said, to the gospel service. Anyone can do that. Everyone who believer can do that. You can invite your neighbor or friends. We must be engaged in this task as ambassadors for Christ. It's not only an important role, it's an honorable role. 
great honor is placed upon you and I as believers for to be given this particular task. Christ has sent us as his ambassadors. It's a needful task. There's a great need for people to hear the gospel, to hear the way of salvation. And we must feel that need as well to tell them. But then I move on to the message, the ambassador's a message. The message is given to us, and uh, this is the message that we are to pass on to others, the word of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We want to tell other people, to urge our unsaved, unconverted friends and family members to come to Christ, to leave their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to return to him, to, to show to them this is what life is about. This is the purpose of our existence here in this world, is to be in connect, connected to God. Now man, in his natural state, is at war with his creator. It seems incredible, isn't it? It's almost unbelievable. It's almost absurd to think that man is fighting a war against his creator. But it's true. A finite creature is waging a war against the infinite God. How can it be? Well, uh, we, it's, it, we, we have to go back to understand why we are in this place. We have to go back to that Garden of Eden and that our first representative, the first Adam, when he sinned, when he fell. Remember what happened to him? When God came looking for him, he tried to hide from God. It wasn't so before. Before he fell into sin, he loved God. He, he went forward to meet God. He rejoiced in, in being in in fellowship with God. But as soon as sin came into the world and into his heart, he was afraid of God. And he tried to hide from him. And worse still, enmity arose in his heart. Man, friends, in his fallen state, carries in his heart thoughts and feelings of enmity towards the Lord. It's not that he's just hiding from him. He doesn't like God. He's afraid of God, yes, but he also there's some feeling of hate. He doesn't like God's moral standards especially because he wants, he loves his sin and he wants to go on in his sin. That's how the unconverted person is. That's how we once were before we came to the Lord. There's an estrangement between the Almighty God and man brought about by sin. But here is the good news. That estrangement need not continue. Jesus Christ has come sent from the Father, the Son of God, and through Him we, are, we can be reconciled again. Through Him we can be at peace with God. Through Him we can be on friendly terms again with our Creator and our Maker. This is what, what is said. How can this be? How can it be? Well, here's the message. Verse 21, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What does this mean, this verse? Well, this is the, the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel. And friends, we, as ambassadors for Christ, we, we must be familiar with the gospel. We must be able to explain it uh, to other people, to tell it. Well, what is the gospel saying? Uh, here, 
he hath made him to be sin doesn't mean that Christ became a sinner. It doesn't mean that God punished him because he was a sinner, but it's, uh, when it says God, he hath made him to be sin for us, it's as if God, God treated him as if he was a sinner. The guilt, the penalty of our sin, the shame of our sin was placed upon the Son of God and He stood in our place and He was our substitute. God should have punished us. Instead, God punished Him. He took our place and God treated Him and dealt with Him as if He was dealing with our particular sins and condemning us in, 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 as we were condemning Him and uh, judging Him. That's what Christ was doing. This is the marvelous gospel. Christ is our substitute. Christ made an atonement for our sin. It should have been you. It should have been me. Instead, Christ has done it. And that's just the half of it. The other half says we are made right, the righteousness of God in Him. And that's speaking about the righteousness of Christ's life is now credited to me. Justification is now uh, imputed to me. The, the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ and when is, is imputed to me if I believe and trust in Christ. And what does that mean? That means when God looks at me in Christ, He sees me without sin. He receives me as if I've never sinned. I have sinned, but he, because I'm in Christ and under His righteousness, he treats me as if I have never sinned. Oh, isn't this amazing? Isn't this the tremendous message, friends, that we have our sins taken away and righteousness, perfect righteousness given to us? This is the great exchange, we say, of the gospel. You give to God your filthy sins, He gives to you perfect righteousness and forgiveness and heaven. Oh, this is the message, friends, that we uh, want to get out. This is the message we want to, in some way or other, convey to those who are within our circle. This is what's being committed to you and me. This is the gospel. And we want to urge people to repent and trust in the Savior. Oh, but I just close here uh, with one final thought, and that is how we are to go about it, in a sense. Not the, the methods, but the, the manner in which we should be ambassadors for Christ. Look, Paul's words now, then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ, God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. As though God did beseech you, as though God is pleading with you, as though God is begging you, can we say, as though God is going down on His knees and begging you to receive this message and to be saved. This is the great God condescending to one who has offended Him, to one who is at war with Him and offering to Him the terms of peace. And this is God uh, uh, making known to man, beseeching you, through, he beseeches uh, people through you and I that they would be reconciled, that they would give up those arms, that they would stop fighting, they would stop rebelling against Him and come and receive His blessing. 
This is uh, what we want uh, to urge people on Christ's behalf. Also, it says here, in Christ's behalf, in Christ's stead, in His place, in His behalf. How would Christ do it? How is it? We've said it already. He didn't go about personal witness in a cold manner. He felt for those people. This is in his heart still. Yes, he's in heaven. He's at the right hand of God. But even now, his, his concern is that the lost will be saved, that people will come into his kingdom. This is his desire. And this is how we should, be, we should feel as well. Uh, something of this uh, co- compassion and earnestness uh, with, uh, w- uh, in reaching out uh, to people. That we should urge people to come to the Savior. You remember the Lord's own word, that most famous, most welcoming, most hearty word of the gospel, come, come. Again and again, the Lord said, come unto me. And that's the heart of the gospel. That's the Lord beseeching. You can see him, he's, he's stretching out uh, his arms, imploring and welcoming people to come to him. This is our God. This is what he is like, a God of compassion, a God of, not a God who just counts numbers and says, okay, we've got so many thousands in our, in the kingdom now, but a God who really genuinely wants people to be delivered out of hell and brought to heaven, and that we must capture something of that feeling. He must capture something that, so that we have that same spirit when we're witnessing. We don't want to just win an argument. We don't want just to prove the other person wrong and their religion is false. We don't just want to gain brownie points because we've witnessed. That's not why we're doing it. We're doing it because we want that other person. I know you, know, I know you feel like this already, but this is just a reminder, friends. And that's why you want to reason with souls and persuade. We don't want to harangue them and badger them into the kingdom and force them. We want to reason with souls and deal gently with souls to persuade them, to win them, to convince them, to pray for them, to plead with them, come to Christ. Come and uh, to draw alongside. It has that idea of drawing alongside a person and speaking to them as a friend with friend. Oh, friends, this is uh, our text for, this, uh, for today and our motto text for this coming year. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. May the Lord help us to remember these things and to remember those souls and to pray and do what we can. That's all the Lord asks for us. Do what you can. Use those opportunities. Be ready. Know the gospel. Have that message clear in your mind. You know what to say. Oh, it's a, a, a great joy to be used of God. If you can used of God to bring one soul to the church, one soul into the kingdom, Oh, there's no greater joy apart from your own salvation and to see that happening. Oh, friends, do we know these things? May it be so for us. But let's close uh, singing our final hymn, number 463. Lord, speak to me that I may speak. 463.